Thank you for tuning in and welcome to the new channel sports podcast. Today, the fellas discuss Tiger Woods, Frank Gore, the NCAA finals, and they tell us how they really feel about the Lakers. And even though I'm a big LeBron fan, I'm not a big Laker fan. And Laker fans have been annoying me so much. Oh, we're going to win it this year. We got Russ. We got Melo. We got LeBron. We got AD. So it's very good to see the Lakers fans eat some humble pie. You're tuned into the new channel sports podcast. The ultimate sports talk podcast. Welcome to another episode of the New Channel Sports Podcast. My name is O.N.E., the one and only. We have an exceptional show in store for you. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, please do me a favor. Go ahead and subscribe. You can do it on any major podcast platform available. You can also go to our website, newchannelsports.net. That's new channel spelled N-U-Channelsports.net. And you can go ahead and subscribe there as well. Give us a follow on Instagram. Give us a follow on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on the Leeds Podcast Network as well. We're also on TV, ladies and gentlemen, Afro Vibes TV. Download that Roku app so you can see our wonderful faces there as well. I am joined by my co-host, hey. the phenomenal one, Chris. What is, what is the deal? I'm good. Ready for a great show. You said it's going to be an exceptional, sir. Uh, uh, exceptional show. I think it's going to be better than exceptional, bro. I think it's going to be fantabulous. All right? I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good space. So let's get to it. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. So on the headlines, we're going to be going over most of the stuff that happened this past week. The Kansas Jayhawks are the 2022 men's NCAA basketball champions. They were able to overcome a 15-point deficit at halftime to defeat the North Carolina Tar Heels. This is the largest comeback in men's national championship history. I did have Kansas winning, not over North Carolina, over Duke, though, but I did have the Kansas Jayhawks winning the national championship. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations, to them. Kansas. Uh, your bracket was actually really good. Yeah, one of the best brackets in the nation. Um, but as far as the North Carolina Tar Heels are concerned, they really only played five guys for most of the tournament. Somebody got hurt and they fell apart. Uh, they should have won that game. I uh, want to give all respect to Kansas and Bill Self winning his second national championship. Uh, North Carolina's got to be kicking themselves because they really had it and they let it go. Yeah, I know Duke fans were very excited that uh, North Carolina lost. They did not want to see North Carolina win the national championship after what they've been through with the Tar Heels. On the women's side, South Carolina Gamecocks are the women's basketball NCAA champions. They held off UConn. 64 to 49 to win his second title in school history. This is the first misfortune in a national title game for the Yukon Huskies, who had been undefeated in their past 11 appearances. Alina Boston was named the Final Four's most outstanding player, and head coach of South Carolina Don Staley made history. 
She is the first black coach in men's and women's NCAA Division One history to win multiple national titles. Yeah, shout out to South Carolina Gamecocks getting another natty. Um, and uh, Gina Ariema finally losing in a national championship game. It was going to happen eventually. And the game really wasn't that close. So shout out to the Gamecocks. All right. After 16 years in NFL, Frank Gore is finally calling it quits. He finished third, just 2,355 yards shy of Emmitt Smith's all-time rushing record. Gore will sign a one-day contract with the Central 49ers to retire with the team that drafted him way back in 2005. Gore had nine 1,000-yard rushing seasons, has played in more games than any other running back in NFL history with 241 games. His 16,000 rushing yards ranks him third behind Hall of Famer Emmitt Smith and Walter Payton. He is fourth all-time in yards from scrimmage and fifth all-time in all-purpose yards. Gore finishes his career with exactly 100 total touchdowns. Yeah, it's an illustrious career, a great career for him. And it's funny you mentioned earlier, you said just 2,000-plus yards shy of Emmitt Smith's record. <laughs> That's a lot of yards, bro. That could be a couple of seasons worth. But it does not diminish what uh, Frank Gore's done in his career. To finish third is a great achievement, achievement. So I'm very happy for him. And he gets a chance to sign that one-day uh, deal to retire with his, the team that drafted him. Very, very cool. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about Frank Gore when we do our ending segment in Buy or Sell. Uh, Tiger Woods okay. is back. Play- yeah, we are. We are. Yes, we are, bro. <laughs> Tiger Woods is black playing golf. The five-time majors champion is two over and is currently tied for 19th going into the weekend. Tiger Woods hasn't been in a regular PGA Tour event in more than 17 months after he was seriously injured in a car wreck outside Los Angeles, February 23rd of 2021. It is good to see my main man, Tiger Woods, back on the golf course. He looks in good spirits. He's playing pretty well. He's playing golf pretty well for someone who's been out for so long. Um, I really hope that he has he does uh, the best he can out there on the, on the golf course. Yeah, I'm very happy to see him back. I've watched him play pretty much every every shot that he has taken. I've watched. Probably shouldn't be admitting that, but uh, very happy to see him back. And uh, happy to see him functioning. You could tell he's in great pain, particularly with his leg, and he's already had lower back issues. He is really just thugging it out, um, playing. And for him to make the cut comfortably, um, I believe he's one over par now. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, Saturday, which is typically, not typically, it always is moving day at major tournaments, that he makes some movement. But right now, the guy on the top of the board, Shuffler, is just killing the field. He's five. As of us recording, he's five shots up. Um, so, but you know, the Masters is is just is just crazy, man. You know, you could be up five shots and then play Amen Corner, and all of a sudden, you're in big trouble. So, I'm very, very excited to have a weekend of golf with my guy, Tiger Woods. Yeah, we're going to discuss Tiger Woods a bit more as well in our end segment of buy or sell. All right, lawyers of former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores, who is suing NFL for racial discrimination in his in the hiring process, added two more longtime NFL coaches to his amendment complaint Thursday. Steve Wilkes, who was the Arizona Cardinals head coach for one season in 2018, and Ray Horton, an NFL assistant since, um, since 1994, who interviewed for a Tennessee Titans head coaching job in 2016 are now a part of the lawsuit filed against the league. 
Horton was a defensive coordinator for the Titans in 2015 and interviewed for the Titan team's head coaching job. Lawyers say he was given a completely sham interview done only to comply with the Rooney rule and to demonstrate an appearance of equal opportunity and a false willingness to consider a minority candidate for the position. The Titans will go on to hire Mike McCartley for the job and Horton left to be the defensive coordinator in Cleveland. He has since retired. Malarkey, who had been the team's intern head coach for the final nine games of the 2015 season, said in a, two t- in a 2020 podcast called The Steelers Realm that the Titans owners told him he was going to get the job before they completed the interview process, including two minority candidates. This is what he had to say. Well, Mike, if you could turn back the clock, where would, uh, I'd probably hate these questions, but would there be anything during your coaching career that you might have done differently or changed? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. Uh, I've always prided myself in doing the right thing um, in this business, and I can't say that's true about everybody in this business. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very cutthroat business, and a lot of guys will tell you that. But uh, I allowed myself uh, at one point when I was in Tennessee uh, to get caught up in something I, I regret, and I still regret it. But uh, the ownership there, uh, Amy Adams Strunk and her family came in and, and told me I was going to be the head coach in 2016 uh, before they went through the, the Rooney rule. And so I sat there knowing I was the head coach in 16 as they went through this fake hiring process, knowing I knowing a lot of the coaches that they were interviewing, knowing how much they prepared to go through those interviews knowing that everything they could do and they had no chance of getting that job and actually the gm john robinson he was in on the interview with me he he had no idea why he's interviewing me that i have the job already and i I, you know i regret that's because i pride myself in my my kids first that they do the right thing i always said that to the players and here i am the head guy not doing it and i've regretted that since then it was a wrong thing to do i'm sorry i did that um but it was not the way to go about it. Should have interviewed like everybody else and got hired because of the interview, not not early on. So that's that's probably my biggest regret. Yeah, I think that was back in 2016, I want to say. Uh, Mike Merlarkey was on the Steelers Realm podcast, and they asked him what was his biggest regret as a head coach, and he would go on to say that that whole hiring process where they told him he was going to be the head coach before they actually finished the whole process and they didn't do the Rooney rule until afterwards so those candidates really had no shot at getting a head coaching job and he was really embarrassed by that and he really regretted that that even happened with him yeah the Tennessee Titans gotta be similar right now and be like come on Mike cut the malarkey <laughs> I mean this boy came on that radio and was snitching on everybody it's like yeah well the owner came in and told me he had the job and the GM really knew I had the job, but yet he was still interviewing me. He wasn't just saying, man, he was dropping names and titles. And somehow we completely missed that interview because the first time I heard of it, and I'm assuming for many of our listeners, the first time you heard of this interview was when we see this blind Brian Flores lawsuit and the two gentlemen that have joined the lawsuit. We've known for years that Steve, well, I shouldn't say years, but we've known for a while that, that Steve Wilkes firing was disgusting. It was way too quick. He wasn't given any opportunity there with Arizona. And hearing about the Tennessee Titans is just more further evidence that the Rooney rule is a joke 
and the NFL doing what they did this offseason and expanding the Rooney Rule was a joke. And it's just, for me, it's disgusting. That's the only word I would use with used to describe this and think of the word disgusting the same way joe buck said that is a disgusting act by randy moss when he mooned the crowd in green bay that's exactly how i feel about this disgusted yeah i can't disagree with you there chris it it, it does question everything that the nfl is doing and it's gonna be very interesting from this moment on to see what happens that was headlines, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get right into our show. Boy said, <laughs> "Oh, you hear what your boy said? Who my boy? Take a listen. Who else you want to play with? Um, in today's game, <laughs> Steph Curry. Yeah, <laughs> Steph Curry's the one that I want to play with. Oh shit, the chef. <laughs> you know what? Hey." You might want to play with you next weekend now. That is <laughs> phenomenal. When did he say that? Was that on the shop? Yeah. I guess the latest one. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, he got it. We, we got his wish. So he's the captain. He's picked me the last two uh, All-Star games. So I don't know if that suffices, but I'm good right now. How does that make you feel, though? Good right now. I mean, whenever you get the uh, the interest or curiosity of what it would be like to play with a argue with you know mvp kind of caliber dude like he is and the greatest of all time cool like it's amazing right um we all can live in that fantasy world though that was steph curry i think it was on 95.7 fm i want to say where he was talking uh about the comments lebron james had on the shop what he said that uh he would want to play with steph curry and what do you think about Steph Curry's response to that question, Chris? Are we looking into this too deeply? I mean, what, what do you think about his Steph say? Oh, yeah, I would love to have LeBron next season. Bring him on. Uh, I don't know how we're going to afford it. Maybe get rid of Draymond. You know, Clay ain't really been great since he got back. Let's go ahead and get rid of Clay. I mean, what do you want him to say? Of course I'm good. We're going to the playoffs. We have a wonderful chance at winning a championship. Why would I want to play with LeBron? LeBron need me. I don't need LeBron. So what else would you want him to say? He said very, you know, I thought he was patient with the question. I thought he said he got the all-star games and mentioned that um, to any potential shade that people see in that. If there was some there, it may have been some. I mean, why not? He's Steph Curry. And and he has a certain caliber of player that he believes he is, which indeed he is. And his team is doing just fine. He's worried about getting healthy enough and, and to get going for the playoffs. He's not worried about LeBron and the Lakers who are not in the playoffs. So it's almost like LeBron threw that out there to distract Steph Curry in his pursuit of ring number three. Like, I can see why Steph would be a little annoyed, bro. <laughs> like, why Why are you doing this now? You're out of the playoffs. Stay out. Just go away. You think LeBron did it on purpose, bro? Hey, man, LeBron, LeBron is smart. Like, out there? Like, people always talk about Kobe and Michael and, and LeBron. These guys do things that is just next-level assassin. He's just trying to put a little wrinkle in there. It's like, you know, I don't want this cat to get his third ring because he played with me most of his career. I got four. I don't really want him at three. Let me throw Let me throw some little dissension in there. Actually, he already has three. He's going for four, right? He already has three. Oh, for sure. Now I'm really convinced. He has three. LeBron's like, yeah, he ain't going to get four with me. Let me throw a little a little ranch inside the locker room and see what's going to happen with this. And Steph, to his credit, snuffed it out and kicked it out immediately because they're focused on the championship. We're definitely going to talk more about LeBron James in this podcast. 
But as far as what Step had to say, where he's like, I'm good right now. He just nonchalantly said, I'm good not right now. I thought there was a little bit of shade, like you said, towards that. I think there was a little bit of disrespect when he said that as well. Him and LeBron have a kind of iffy history, if you want to say, yeah, LeBron chose him two times in the All-Star game or whatever. But I think now LeBron is trying to get into his good favors because of that rocky history that they had at the beginning of each other's careers. So I think there's a little bit of disrespect there when you hear how Steph says it. He's like, nah, I'm good right now, man. Like, I don't need you to win any championships right now. Like you said it, Chris, he... LeBron needs Steph right now more than Steph needs LeBron. I don't know what question was asked to LeBron James for him to even say that, but as a competitor, man, why do you even why do you even say that you want to play with somebody else? That's what I don't like about this generation of basketball players. You would never hear Michael Jordan say, "Oh man, I want to play with Charles Barkley," or "I want to play with uh, uh anybody else." Michael Jordan want to play with anybody else besides himself he, if he could play with everybody and they all be michael jordan he would do that so i don't even know why lebron james would say something like that honestly Here you go do even that. have to even have Steph no, have no, a, no, don't do all that a, now, a response michael jordan would have been michael jordan i will say this uh, michael jordan really didn't have the the outlets to do that right so he didn't have his own show like the shop he didn't he didn't he didn't do, have those types of things you're probably right i, I doubt michael jordan says something like that but it's also a different time and age where these athletes have their own outlets, right? So they can say what they want, where they want, and how they want, and more, more importantly, when they want, because they own their outlets. So there's something special about that. I do agree with you. There is a little bit of shade in Seth Curry's tone, but I take it more shade as in, I mean, we're in the playoffs. We're trying to go to the championship. I, I don't care what LeBron James thinks right now. If he wants to play with me, great. Catch me at the All-Star game because I'm trying to win a championship. So if I were Steph, I'd take it a shade too. Even a little slightly disrespectful. Like, bro, you're at home. I'm over here trying to win a championship. Like, stay away. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I agree with you 100%. Look, look at where the season started, right? People were talking about the Lakers. They were talking about the Nets. They were talking about everybody except the Warriors. And the Warriors got to a hot start in the beginning of the season, they find themselves in the playoffs and with an opportunity to win their championship. Steph is probably right here thinking, man, why would you even bring my name up in any of this, right? you We will never play together realistically on the basketball court. I will say this, though. If you did pair LeBron James and Steph Curry together on the basketball court, that would be a sight to, be, to behold because he will be dishing and diving to Steph and LeBron James will be having a field day. So that would be something that I would I would like to see, but it will never be seen. I, I, I can't even say that out and send that will ever happen. But I think Steph was a little bit annoyed by even listening to that. And the way they, they started off, did you hear what your boy said? Your boy? <laughs> they were like, who are you talking about? And so he was like, nah, I'm good right now, man. The Warriors are good right now, right where they are. All right, so speaking of the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James, they were eliminated from playoff contention this past week. This is the only the third time LeBron James this is only the third time in LeBron James' career that he will miss the postseason. Twice now with the Lakers, his joined in 2018, and the other was his rookie season as a Cleveland Cavalier. The Lakers lost their last seven consecutive games beginning in late March 
during that seven-game losing streak, LeBron and Anthony Davis only played one time together. Chris, does LeBron James deserve any criticism for the Lakers missing the playoffs? Well, absolutely. Everybody in the Lakers deserves some criticism, and, and a good percentage of the criticism falls on stars, no matter what team you're on. I'm the biggest LeBron fan in the world, but of course he gets criticism. Um, rumors are that he's the one who rebuffed um, the Lakers acquiring DeMar DeRozan in the summer. Lakers rebuffed getting Buddy Hill in the summer, and he was reportedly behind bringing in Russell Westbrook. Taking that as true, even though we don't know if it is, taking that as true, the ownership deserves a big fault in that, but also LeBron deserves a big fault in that. So, of course, he gets his good share of the humble pie that the Lakers had this offseason. And even though I'm a big LeBron fan, I'm not a big Laker fan. And Laker fans have been annoying me so much. Oh, we're going to win it this year. We got Russ. We got Melo. We got LeBron. We got AD. So it's very good to see the Lakers fans eat some humble pie. I'm here for it. Very. I'm not happy that they missed the playoffs, but I mean... In the beginning of the year, people thought this team was going to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame as the greatest team ever assembled. Some people were talking like that. And Anthony Davis did what Anthony Davis does. No offense to him, but he did what he does. He gets hurt. Uh, Carmelo Anthony is an older guy. Don't really remember him towards the end of the year. The Lakers were relying upon Malik Monk and Austin Reeves <laughs> for, for most of the season. No offense to those guys, but that's not a championship recipe. So there's a lot of fault to go around. And, of course, LeBron James gets a piece of that pie. Oh, yeah, he definitely deserves most of the blame for this one. And I'm not talking about because of how he was able to play on the basketball court because he was by far the best player on the basketball court. But he signed off on all the players that he played with. He had an opportunity to build a squad that would be competitive come down the stretch. This team right here is very reminiscent to that team the Lakers had when they had Kobe, they had Steve Nash, and they had Dwight Howard back in the day. Everybody thought when that team was assembled that, oh, they're going to be on the way to a championship. I remember when it first happened, our cousin was like, this isn't fair, man. The enemy is looking to this. Why do they have all these big time players there? And that team did not do anything. And it was because of injuries as well and because they didn't mesh also. This team did not mesh. They have a lot of things to do in the offseason to get this team back to um, the status of being the Los Angeles Lakers. This is not what they brought LeBron James in for. If you would have told me that they would have won a championship, I'd be like, great, they won a championship. That, that's exactly what they want. But if you would have also told me that they would have missed the playoffs two out of the three years that LeBron James was there, I would have told you that's not why the Los Angeles Lakers brought LeBron James here at all. The, the Lakers are a brand that's very prideful. Okay, they have a history. And in that history, they expect to make the playoffs year in and year out and not just make the playoffs they expect to make the playoffs and compete for championships lebron james deserves way more of the blame for all this he was one person in particular that was against the play-in he thought it was stupid and he could even get his team to the play-in so right now lebron james takes the brunt of the blame and um what do you think that this oh, does no, slow down there, Chipper. <laughs> slow down oh, there, go, Chipper. Go ahead, go ahead, go he ahead. My bad, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The blame. That's insane, man. It's yes, insane. he does. Yes, no, he, he does. does. You can't take the brunt of the blame yes, he does. when you're leading the league in scoring. 
You can't take the blunt of the blame when your co-star and Russell Westbrook had a horrendous season. You can't take the brunt of the blame when the guy who's supposed to be the best player on the team is always unavailable. You just can't. The guy that gets the brunt of the blame as a player is Anthony Davis because he just wasn't there enough. And when he was there, he wasn't good enough. He's supposed to be better than Nikola Jokic. He's supposed to be better than Joel Embiid. He's supposed to be on par with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it's foolish to put him on the same table, on the same plate, in the same presence, as in the same arena as those guys. He just isn't good enough. And that's why the Lakers during this offseason are going to contemplate trading him. They're likely going to fire a head coach that could not gel a team together. And the GM, like it or not, didn't do a great job. LeBron is not the GM of the team. He's not. And everybody wants to report LeBron James is the one that did it. LeBron James is the one that did it. And that's not true. Or it could potentially not be true. But even if LeBron James pushed for it, the GM needs to come out and say, yo, that doesn't make sense. Because we've seen the GM do that. We saw him do it in the trade line. When LeBron really wanted something, he's like, nah, I'm not going to do it. And, I, and obviously, we saw what happened. They didn't make the playoffs. They looked worse. To say LeBron gets the bulk of the blame is basically closing your eyes and not paying attention. It's not looking. It's being blind. You're better than that, O'Any. And for you Jordan fans that are saying, it's all LeBron, you guys are better than that. You can make your Jordan argument, but open your eyes. You can see, all right? Just open your eyes and you can see. My eyes are as wide open as they've ever been, okay? And for my eyes to be this wide open, I do understand that throughout the course of LeBron James's career, he has made significant decisions in every organization that he's been a part of. So there is no way you can convince me, Chris, that he did not have a major part in assembling this team. And since he had a major part in assembling this team and put all these athletes together for Los Angeles Lakers, yes, he does take the brunt of the blame. I would agree with you. Okay, so let's a, do this. Give me a percent. Hold on, hold on. Give me a percentage. Well, it's more than 50%. Okay. So what That's the brunt. It's more Davis than 50%. So what does Anthony Davis get? Well, Anthony, Anthony Davis is who we thought he was. He, he's, no, no, for he's you, what does Anthony prone. Davis get? Okay, so let, let's let me put it this way. You know, Frank Vogel, right? Frank Vogel gets about 20% of the blame. Then the other half and half go to the organization, then we're talking about Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. Then about 55% of the blame goes to LeBron James. He gets most of the blame of what's happened for Los Angeles Lakers this season. Yeah, that's asinine. Um, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> I try to be sane here each and every week. I am open to conversation. I'm even open to debate. But this is an asinine position, bro. It just is. LeBron James was phenomenal all year long. If Anthony Davis could stay healthy, they'd likely be in the playoffs. If the GM could put better players around him, they'd likely be in the playoffs. If Russell Westbrook played better, they'd likely be in the playoffs. If Frank Vogel could get better control of the locker room and his players, they'd likely be in the playoffs. There is no, oh, if LeBron played better. He could not play better at the age of 37. He There has never been a player in the history of basketball that has played at the level LeBron has played at at the age of 37 and you want to tell me he gets 55% of the blame for the missing the playoffs when there's been no other player including your bestie Michael Jordan that has played at this level you miss me bro look 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 we're talking about LeBron James here right 
We're talking about arguably one of the best basketball players in the history of the game. And during the start of the season, this team that was assembled was thought to make a run for a championship. Now, when LeBron James wins or when this team uh, is carried by LeBron James, he gets most of the credit for that. When you talk about the championships he won in Miami, he gets most of the credit for that. When you talk about the championships that he won with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he gets most of the credit for that. We even talk about the championship they won in the bubble. LeBron James gets most of the credit for that. So I have to give him most of the blame for the Los Angeles Lakers not even sniffing the playoffs because they lost. How do you not blame the main superstar on your team when this is the team that he signed off on? All these players that you're talking about, the GM went up to LeBron and said, hey, are you okay with these players? Because LeBron James gets most of the say when he's talking about who he wants to play with are and you who sure he doesn't that? want to play with. Are you sure about that? So GM of course I'm sure about that. This is what's going on with LeBron James' career since right, the very beginning, bro. Um, so I, I think I understand what's going on. So from what I understand, we're going to hold LeBron at 37 to a different standard than we've ever held any other 37-year-old. So the, if we're doing that, then it makes that's, sense. That's true. That's true. That's true. But why because not? Because it does make sense. Why because not? LeBron though? is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. We have to hold him to a different standard. And for that reason, I understand why you take that position. Because he is the greatest, you just, you're just you just stunned. You're like, he's the greatest of all time. He's better than Jordan. So I've got to give him the blame. For that, I finally understand your argument. Because he's on a, he's in a different conversation, which is why you have to give him a different set of rules. Get it? The reason I'm giving him a different set of rules is because he commands a different set of rules. There's not another player in NBA history. There's not another player in NBA history that decides who they want to play with and who they don't want to play with besides LeBron James. LeBron James is the only player that I, I have known in the past couple of years, or more so in this generation, that really just decides who he wants to play with. And because he made that decision to want to play with Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and let other players go by the wayside, he gets the brunt of the blame for assembling this team going into this season. All right? I'm not necessarily talking about the play. He played phenomenally, right? At 37 years old, you can't ask much more of him on the basketball court. But if he would have just made a couple of other decisions here and there to assemble this team, yes, they would have at least made the play-in. And the brunt of that goes on LeBron James, no matter how poorly the rest of his teammates played. Okay. Because ever since, hold on, ever since the beginning when he played with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he has had a say of who he wanted to play alongside him. And that's on him. That's solely on him. Yeah, no no right. other player on that roster, no other player on that roster gets to decide who they want to play with. It was LeBron that made a decision of who came in and play, played beside him. So that means the sole responsibility of those players getting to the playoffs is on LeBron James. And because yeah. he didn't make the right decisions, the blame's on him. Your argument, I think you know, is asinine. So, so basically, you're saying LeBron the player, great job. You were great this season. LeBron the GM, which no player has ever been a player GM at the same time. LeBron the GM is your fault. Despite the fact the Lakers actually have a GM. They have a guy who needs to crunch the numbers and make sure trades go through. Who needs to make sure they're not over the cap, or at least not over the hard cap. But you know, bump that guy. Forget that guy. Damn with the owner. Damn with the people who write the checks. It's on LeBron. If the toilets aren't working in Staples, or whatever they call it, Crypto Reno now, it's on LeBron. If you ain't got your hot dogs on time, it's on LeBron. 
If you're outside and you got to wait too long to get into the building, blame LeBron. He, he put the team together. He put the building. Just blame LeBron. It's always LeBron. I didn't say he doesn't get a blame. But to say he gets the majority of the blame and just dismiss Anthony Davis literally not being there, never being there, is a problem for me. And you can't just say something like, well, LeBron made the decision to bring him in and not even mention the GM. It's insane. It's insanity, bro. So It really, really is. So who? what percentage of the blame does LeBron get, Chris? I would give him about 20%. The bulk of the blame for me is going to the organization and Anthony Davis. They get the bulk of the blame. And whatever percentages are left, how I does the organization with- how does the organization get the brunt of the blame when when they brought in LeBron James, right? They understood when bringing him in that LeBron James is going to help that franchise, right? It's, it wasn't the other way around. LeBron James came in, he chose the Los Angeles Lakers and they already Gave LeBron James the opportunity by saying, hey, when you come in here, you have the keys, LeBron. Whoever it is that you want to play with, we're going to get that. We're going to do that for you. They did whatever they could to get Anthony Davis away from the Orleans Pelicans because you know what? That's what LeBron James wanted. He wanted to play alongside Anthony Davis. So they did everything they could to get him to play alongside LeBron James. This situation is exactly the same. He has to take onus in this. He assembled this team. He signed off on all these players playing alongside one another. And I can guarantee you that this upcoming season, the Lakers organization, they're going to take into that into account. And they're going to go ahead and say, hey, LeBron, we're not going to really give you the, the keys to all this anymore. The people that we're going to bring in, we're going to try and bring in people that are going to best fit this organization. Well, if LeBron, we're not going to just have you sign off on everything. Well, LeBron always had the keys. They would have traded the 2027 pick and got John Wall and Eric Gordon during the trading deadline. If he really had the keys, they would have done that because everyone knows LeBron wanted that because right before the trade deadline, LeBron said, and no, without any, you know, he not even dropping as hints. He was like, this was going to happen. I expect to have a different team. But the GM didn't listen to him and then they missed the playoffs. So for you to say he's made every single move is just not true because if that was the case, they would have traded their 2027 first-round pick, which the Lakers have continued to refuse to trade during LeBron's prime. So for you to say that LeBron's in control of that makes no sense. Do you think LeBron cares about who they're going to draft number one in 2027? He could care less. He, he does not care. He's, he's not the de facto GM of that team. Does he have influence? Duh, he's always had influence. But to just override the GM and go straight to LeBron is asinine. It just is. Hey, I'm not I'm not debating what the Lakers do. It is asinine, but that's what they did. Okay? They put the keys solely in LeBron James's hand. I'm not saying he well, had my point all is that they the did put it in his hand, I'm not saying that. Then they would have they would have had a different play. Most of the decisions that were made during the course of the season Man. were signed off by LeBron James. If you can agree star with that, player gets I don't know an, what every to tell star you. player gets an opportunity, bro. Every star player, but, they're gonna but, say, hey, but LeBron James is on a different – he's on a different level, though. LeBron James is on a different level. I've never seen an athlete of his caliber be able to just handpick and say, these are the players that I want to play with and damn near assemble a, a team. There's no other player that's ever done that. They might be able to say, I want one player to come alongside and play with you. But throughout the course of LeBron James' career, he's been able to handpick players and almost – Pick a team from start 
to all the way at the end of the bench say, these are the players I want to play with. That has been the case for LeBron James. That's why he gets most of the blame. Is this the most disappointing season in NBA history, Chris? In NBA history? Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, can't be that disappointing because, like I said, Anthony Davis get, did get hurt, right? Um, I can think about some more disappointing seasons in my lifetime just for the Lakers themselves. You think back to 2004 when the Detroit Pistons beat the brakes off the Lakers in the finals when they had Carmelo and Gary Payton and I think they had Horace Grant on that team as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um and then you think back to the Lakers, you mentioned them earlier with Steve Nash and Dwight Howard. There have been some failed teams. In there. You think back to the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. You think back to um, the the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's so many disappointing teams. Um, this just goes on a long list of many. Um, this one, and a long list of many that never took off. So I think it's right up there with some of the few that I've named. But you don't think it's the most disappointing? Nah, uh, there just there have been two others that have been worse because LeBron James and Anthony Davis as a core have won championships. So even the failure, in, I think it was 04 with the Lakers when they lost to the Pistons, it was very disappointing. They just were destroyed in those finals. But at the same time, you look back at it and say, eh, they won championships together, right? So it can't be that bad when you've won together. But I think the most disappointing thing I've ever seen is the the combo of Kyrie. Uh, James Harden and Kevin Durant, they never even made, they never even won a series playing together, like actual playing together. Talk less making it to a, a conference finals or something of that nature. So that's, that's for me, head and shoulders, the most disappointing season, most disappointing grouping, pairing I've ever seen in my life. And dare I say, we will never see a, a combo as disappointing as those three. I wouldn't go as far as say it's the most disappointing in NBA history, but it's definitely disappointing, right? And I think it's disappointing for some of the things that you just mentioned, Chris. The fact that they were able to win a championship in the bubble and then come back and not even make the playoffs, that makes it even more so disappointing. When you talk about Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, those guys, they never accomplished anything together. So the expectations for that team wasn't very high anyway because we didn't know what to expect. Um, but I'm not going to say they weren't high. The expectations were okay, high. Okay, I was about to but because they didn't off, do anything. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. They, they, they were high. The expectations were essentially high for that team, but because they never really accomplished anything, there was nothing to really compare it to. We were able to compare what the Lakers did in that run in the bubble day championship. So when they had more pieces to the puzzle, we thought that maybe they would be able to do it again. And not only that, at the beginning of the season, people were saying, hey, man, this is a good team that was put together and they should make a run for the playoffs. But they weren't even too able to sniff a play in. So I'm not going to go as far as say it's the most disappointing NBA season in NBA history, but it was very disappointing. All right, so. Let's go ahead and transition to the NFL real quick. Lamar Jackson is in the final year of his rookie contract, and the reports are that he will not sign a contract extension until after the 2022 season. Um, right now, it seems that he would benefit from some of the deals that have, were made, especially the one that was made with Deshaun Watson 
for the $230 million contract that was guaranteed. Um, the owner of the Ravens says that the situation they're in right now is unique as hell. Chris, what do you think about Lamar Jackson waiting till after the season to sign a new contract with the Baltimore Ravens? Well, we know Lamar Jackson represents himself. And when you represent yourself, I really hope you know what you're doing. Uh, Lamar Jackson waiting to get paid scares me. I think he's right in the tier where uh, Josh Allen was paid. And I think Josh Allen got about 100 to $150 million guaranteed or something close to that. And that's, that's essentially what Lamar Jackson is going to get. And that's probably what I would presume the Ravens are offering him. So him waiting to... For the for the season to end to negotiate his contract is fraught with danger. I don't. I think even if he blew out his knee, the Ravens would still pay him, similar to the Dak Prescott situation. But at the same time, I've just got to ask what he's doing, and I don't know. It's twofold. I think it's one of two things. A, like you mentioned, he's honestly trying to wait for the end of the season, trying to get to an AFC championship, trying to win a championship, and get the highest paid player in the league. I think that's what he's doing, right? There's a potential for that's what he's doing. He's like, I want to show them that I'm the best in the league. And if that's what he's doing, I truly believe that's foolish because he can get a big deal now, keep it short, two or three years, four years, whatever the case may be, and just re-up in the future. So I just think it's foolish he's wasting his time and potentially wasting his money. However, if he is holding out because he wants a fully guaranteed deal similar to what Deshaun Watson got, we know that the Ravens scoffed at what the Haslam family did for Deshaun Watson and the, and, and the Cleveland Browns did for Deshaun Watson. So we know the Ravens don't want to do that. So if he's holding out saying, I want a big deal, I want a, a big deal with fully guaranteed money, then there's clearly going to be problems. I think the Ravens, uh, the, whoever's the Ravens representative that said the, the situation is unique is onto something from the standpoint of Lamar Jackson representing himself. Who knows if he's even articulated to the, uh, the Ravens why he doesn't want to sign a deal? Because he keeps saying, I'm going to worry about that later, and I just don't know who truly has his back in this situation because I think the way he plays, the style of play that he has, it would behoove him to sign a deal now, get the guaranteed dollars now, rather than risk an injury. Like I said before, if he gets injured, I still think he gets paid, but I think that goes down a little bit. I just don't see a lot of upside in waiting unless he wants a Deshaun Watson type of deal. So you don't think he get a Deshaun Watson type of deal now? No, the Ravens, the Ravens scoffed at what uh, um, Deshaun Watson got. They thought it really destroyed the, the, the ecosystem of the NFL, if you want to say it like that. So absolutely not. The Ravens aren't going to comply with that at all. They're not going to want to give him a fully guaranteed deal. No matter what season he has, do you think it's still an yeah, opportunity even to if get that deal if he has a outstanding yeah. season? Yeah, he's, he yeah, won't get an out, they win uh, the Super guaranteed Bowl. deal. Listen, I think even if they win the Super Bowl and he's the Super Bowl MVP, they'd still buck at giving him a fully guaranteed deal because the whole NFL saw what the, the Cleveland Browns did and they just don't want to repeat that precedent because once Deshaun Watson gets that and Lamar Jackson gets that, it's over. It's it's done deal. It's done so. Every single great quarterback is going to say, I'm getting a fully guaranteed deal. So this is important. And like I said, it just it really depends on the nuance of what LeBron Jackson is doing. If he's trying to get that fully guaranteed deal, I understand why he's holding out for that. Because he's basically saying, I'm going to play great next season. 
and you're going to have no choice but to pay me. Fully guaranteed deal. And if you don't, I'm going to take a franchise tag. I'll take another one, and I'll go get a guaranteed deal from someone else, a la Kirk Cousins. So if he's playing that way, trying to go for the long game, and he believes in himself, I mean, that's fine. Even if that's what he's doing, I don't agree with this position at all. Understanding that he was injured last season, understanding the way he runs in the pocket and runs outside of the pocket, I think it really behooves him to take a big deal. But at the same time, if he's looking for a Deshaun Watson deal, I understand and respect his position of waiting until he gets a fully guaranteed deal. Yeah, man, I'm kind of conflicted on this a little bit because I was under the impression that he's doing this because he wants to kind of prove himself this year and then get the money and then get the bag the following year. Right now, I do kind of like his mentality if that's where he's going, but I don't look at it as being very smart, right? Because he can play the rest of this season. I mean, sign a deal, play the rest of this season, and then do whatever he can in his power to maybe restructure that deal to get to what he wants especially if he does play well so right now i do think that he has to secure the bag first and then worry about everything else because the ravens right now they have a deal on the table waiting for lamar jackson like hey here you go this is your deal this is what we want to give you to be our starting quarterback and like you said chris he's not even really giving them a response he's just saying you know i'm just thinking about the season right now i'm not trying to sign the contract and so when you look at that and you look at an organization that's actually trying to resign their quarterback and the quarterback is like, nah, I'm good. You know, uh, like Seth Curry said, I'm good right now. It kind of makes it, you know, a mystery to it, if you want to say, because they're wondering what is it really that's what is it going to take to get you to resign with the Baltimore Ravens? So I don't like the move personally myself either. I think that he can go ahead and, maybe go two or three years, ball out, and then after that, re-sign as well. Because he never knows what's going to happen. No one wishes injury upon anybody. And even if he, something were to happen, he will still get that money. So I, I really don't know where his head's right now. I, I really hope he knows what he's doing because right now, at, at this point, I do think that you re-sign. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit before the show, and you pointed this out to me because I didn't know. Well, we talked about it maybe earlier in the week, right? And when we had this discussion earlier in the week, I didn't know that he was representing himself. At least I forgot about that. So the mystery that we have in, in the two things that I've laid out earlier and what he's trying to hold out for, it's a mystery because, and I hate saying this because it's because he doesn't have an agent, right? He doesn't have that person who's making his stance clear. Perhaps if he had an agent, the agent come out and say, we're not negotiating right now. We're going to negotiate at the end of the season. And we're going to play football. And maybe the, the agent even says we're not negotiating because we're waiting for a specific deal. But because he's representing himself, he doesn't really have that. And we just he's not really making coherent statements. So at least on the subject. So I, we, it's a mystery and it'll continue to be a mystery because I'm not in his head. I don't know why he doesn't want to sign the deal now. And I think there's really only two options that he has. I'm not saying that every single NFL player needs to hire an agent because they do take a lot of their money. But at the same time, if you're not going to hire an agent, you still need a team around you to at least come out and release a statement or at least you have to be bold enough to release a clear, coherent statement on what you're doing. And right now, I truly have no idea what he's doing. Yeah, I have no idea what he's doing right now either. But hopefully it works out for him. I think Lamar Jackson does have some things to prove this season. 
And whether or not he has anything to prove or not, the money's on the table. He should take the money. This is not something that I think uh, players should be a part of. I think they should let somebody else handle this side of the equation and try to get them the most money as possible. And then you just concentrate on balling out. That's what you do. So I think that he's putting a little bit more on his plate. And maybe he's actually putting more pressure on himself right now as well to play well. I don't. I think it's undue pressure. Just go out there, get the bag, and then worry about your season. Get somebody who's going to understand where you're coming from and what you want to accomplish for the next upcoming years. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, we saw what happened with Baker Mayfield, even though it's a different circumstance. But we saw what happened when a guy bet on himself and lost completely. I mean, completely lost the bag. So um, just wish him, be- wish him the best, wish him well, wish him to be healthy. But I hope he knows what he's doing. But, e- but even if you bet on yourself, right, if you have an agent or a team around you that knows what they're doing, it's not going to really backfire you that much. Because that agent or that team around you is going to get you the it's most good, money bro. possible. Not a man. If you, ha- if you have someone. Because, I mean, look at really Baker Mayfield. Baker we're, Mayfield we're, has an agent. I mean, it backfired completely. You can have an agent or not. I'm just saying, he, I hope he knows what he's doing and why he's doing it. And like I said, mm-hmm. if he's only doing it to save the Ravens, I'm going to prove to you guys that I'm worth the biggest deal in the world. I think that's foolish. I'm not, I'm not here for that. Mm-hmm. Sign the deal now, bro. All right. We shall see what happens. Let's end off the show with a little buy or sell. Should he stay or should he go? We tell you on buy or sell. Buying or selling, Chris. Tiger Woods wins another major. Uh, I'm going to buy this simply because I'm not betting against Tiger Woods. I'm not betting against Michael Jordan. I'm not betting against LeBron James. And I'm not betting against Tom Brady. So I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I'm in that boat with you. I'm not buying against those gentlemen. Those gentlemen have proven time and time again that they are competitors and that they will do whatever it takes to win. I'll put Kobe Bryant in that discussion as well. I don't bet against them. I'm not going to bet against Tiger Woods. Buy or sell. Frank Gore will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'm buying this. We talk about this in headlines. He finished number three all time in um, yardage. When you do something like that, you get into the Hall of Fame. It's just it's really simple. If you're one of the 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 best statistically to do what you do, you get in the Hall of Fame. That's what the Hall of Fame was made for. So he should get in. It may take a little while. It may not be immediately. And honestly, after him and Adrian Peterson, it may be a long, long time before we see another running back enter the Hall. I'm going to buy it. I do think that he's going to get into the Hall of Fame because he is the third all-time leading rusher. Do I think he's a Hall of Famer? No, I don't. I really don't think Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. I think if you look at the history of the NFL and the story, you can tell the story of the NFL without mentioning Frank Gore's name. That's just how I feel. You can agree or disagree. He's in the same boat with Eli Manning as far as I'm concerned. Eli Manning is going to get into the Hall of Fame, but is he a Hall of Famer? Nah. No, nah, he's not. Yeah, I think you make a great point, and um, I think I agree with your point. You make a really great point, and I agree. Not. I do not agree. <laughs> You're smiling. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, I know you don't agree. I know not. you don't agree because we, 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 we already talked about this. I knew you don't agree with me. 
Oh, there's an episode of The Office where that happened and it had me just crying laughing. But um, I just, I, I don't understand. You you mentioned, you can't tell the, you can tell the story, the history of NFL without him. And I disagree. You absolutely cannot. You cannot tell it because he's the third leading rusher in NFL history with all the running backs that have come before him. And I'm talking about some great names. He is number three on that list. If you're going to tell the story of the NFL, it has to include Frank Gore. You may not like that it includes Frank Gore. Just the way I don't like that it includes Eli Manning. Because <laughs> I think they belong in the same room. The way and, it, and this really comes down to how do we define the Hall of Fame. We've had this discussion before. For me, I think there's levels to this, right? There's rooms to this. I think it rooms one through five or levels one through five, you'll find guys like Frank Gore. Eli Manning. And I think if Eli gets in, there's a great chance that Philip Rivers gets in. So those types of guys who get inside the Hall of Fame where you're Hall of Famers, but you're on the bottom floor. And then you have your elite guys like a, a Barry Sanders, a, a Tom Brady, you know, the guys who are like, um, everybody's in the Hall of Fame, but they say top floor player, top floor. Um, there's a there's a movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, it's called Fun with Dick and Jane. Have you seen Fun with Dick and Jane? Long, long time with Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. So in the beginning of the movie, him and his uh, wife, I think it's Tia Leone, um, they're going to the corporation, or it was just him. He's going to the corporation, and everybody gets on the elevator, and they're like, "What are you getting off at?" <laughs> and Jim Carrey's going to the top. It's like top floor, and all of his fellow employees are like, "What? You going to the top?" That's how I feel. I feel like uh, uh, so there'll be an elevator with Eli Manning. There'll be an elevator with Frank Gore, and then and you know somebody like Barry Sanders gets on. They're like, "What floor are you going on?" He's like, "Y'all getting off at one through five. I'm going to the top." So there can be a Hall of Fame, but also be levels to it in the Hall of Fame. Nah, bro. That's where I disagree. I think the Hall of Fame has been watered down throughout the past couple of years. There are no levels. There's just one level, the Hall of Fame level. We let too many players get into the Hall of Fame with subpar um, athleticism and subpar numbers, or we just look at one thing here and there and say, oh, they deserve to get into the Hall of Fame. Let Emmitt Smith, right? No one's going to say that Frank Gore is a better running back than Emmitt Smith, right? Well, I mean, I, I guess you could kind of. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> so, not, look, 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 look. Is, okay, look is, is Frank Gore better than any of these running backs? Emmitt Smith, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson, Curtis Martin, LaDamian Tomlinson, Jerome Bettis, Eric Dickerson, or Tony Dorsett? Um, I can't answer on Tony Dorsett or Dickerson. I just literally didn't watch him play. I know more about Dickerson than Dorsett, but no, he's not. He's not, but I, those I know the, something. Those are the top. How are you not better than, man, like of all these, then the next ones are Jim Brown, Marshall Falk, Adrian uh, James, Marcus Allen, Franco Harris, Thurman Thomas, like out of the top 15. Yeah, he's he's in he's that not mix, there in right? any of those top fifteen. Uh, I think you can argue with him and Edron James. You can say so he's in the mix, right? He's in the mix. Mm -hmm. I don't know want to okay. necessarily rank them, but he's definitely in the mix. But I think it's very clear. Nah, you can I wouldn't say even he's say he's top. in the mix, bro. He finished third in yardage. Mix, like, how is he not in the mix? I but think that's, that was problem. just that was just that was just because of longevity. His consistency. okay, so long, oh, he is a wow. very consistent so, okay. back. So let me ask you but, a question. But no, but look, but look, but look, but look, but look. But look, but look, but look, let, let's let's be real. Let's be real. Right. If these other players were able to play as long as he did in the era that he did, they would have their numbers would be. 
astronomical. Like let's let's just put it in real talk. Like seriously and truly, how? nothing how? against what Frank Gore was able to do. No, but it, and I, I and understand, understand that that's how. how? Huh? You gotta explain it to me. How? How are there? There's too many variables there. How? Because Barry, how many, how many how many years does Barry Sanders play? I, I don't know. You how many years does Barry Sanders play? Barry Sanders is career was cut short. Seven eight years. Right, as compared to what um, Frank Gore played, yeah, his numbers but, would be but, through the roof. But that's you can't do that. You absolutely can't do that. You can't say if this player played this but, many but, years, you know why? You know why I'm numbers. doing that? You though? can't say that. You, but you can't say that. You can't. Okay, let's let's throw let's throw the numbers out of the equation. This is the eye the test, numbers okay? are part of the equation. He's you can't better, say throw it out. He's not. He's not. You can't do that. No, because you're, you're dismissing it. You because you're dismissing it. You're dismissing it. They had. You have to quantify by the numbers. Am I missing something, bro? Because I don't get it. How can you say throw we'll, the numbers we'll just out? Move on. No, I'm not saying <laughs> throw numbers out. I'm trying to give you. Initially, I was trying to give you uh, an example of why we shouldn't take the numbers to account so much, but you're dismissing it. So I was just like, you know what? Let's just let's just look at something else. Let's just look at something else. But in my I, book, I, just, I wanted to make. Go ahead. But in my book, he's not a Hall of Famer. But he he's going to the Hall of Fame for sure, based off of what you said. But I do think that the Hall of Fame. So right can now I ask is you a question? Down. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Go um, ahead. If he's not going into the Hall of Fame, what's your definition of the Hall of Fame? Just like I said, you have to be able to tell the story of the NFL. Using that person, that's a Hall of Famer. A Hall of Famer is a top tier player that gets into uh, or is mentioned as an All Pro year in and year out. Frank Gore was an All Pro just three times throughout the course of his career. Right, he was never a top five quarterback in my eyes at any point of his career. So when you look at that, the reason he was able to get the numbers that he was able to get is because of longevity. He stacked those numbers up. And I don't think that that's necessarily enough to get you into the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is for the elite of the elite. I have never called Frank Gore elite. And that's just how I feel. I think yeah. that now when people look at numbers and they look at championships, especially for quarterbacks, an example that we had on our, uh, when we were talking before is we tried to compare Eli Manning to Philip Rivers. Now, Philip Rivers has the numbers, but Eli Manning has the championships. And because Eli Manning has the championships, people are saying that he should be a Hall of Famer. But I don't think Eli Manning is a better quarterback than Philip Rivers, right? Why don't you? So think I do is? think that people think because uh, the numbers. It's the eye test. So. I think Philip Rivers. The number, yeah. It's the eye test. Also, the number, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But, but some people will say that neither one of them deserves to go to the Hall of Fame. I didn't say anything about Hall of Fame. I'm just saying why people might want to put uh, Eli Manning into the Hall of Fame. I mentioned numbers and winning championships. Okay? And so with those two things, sometimes those things skew the actual real question. Was that player elite during the course of his career? And I think that's what the true definition of a Hall of Famer is. You were an elite player throughout the course of your career. And now with those particular things, it is watered down the Hall of Fame debate. Well, I just disagree because I, I do agree with you from this. The Hall of Fame debate is watered down by the Philip Rivers of the world and the Eli Mannings of the world. But where I disagree is that it's not watered down by the Frank Gores of the world. 
Frank Gore played football at a time where the running back position was be, has been devalued more than ever. They don't get as much touches. They don't get as much opportunities. So they don't get the ball as much. And what Frank Gore is able to do in a position that has the, the, the worst shelf life in the NFL, right? Running backs always play the least. They get abused the most. They have to block. They have to take on linebackers who are much bigger, sometimes linemen that are much bigger. And Frank Gore played at a time where that position was devalued and still he was able to rack up the numbers that he did consistently well into his 30s. There's something to be said of that. And there are times where you get in, like you said, where you're just a supernova, right? And some players get into the Hall of Fame for being supernovas for short periods of time. And then there are guys whose stars just burn bright for so damn long. It's like, your star has been burning bright for this long? Damn, you get into the Hall of Fame. And that's how Frank Gore gets in. You miss it with the star being so bright, though. He was—he's not a star, man. He's—he's he's a running back. He—he he was never a star in the wow. league. Wow. He just played. I, I, th- he I just think you played consistently. Right he just played consistently throughout the course of his career. But hey, I didn't say he wasn't gonna get in. I'm buying him getting in. All right, and I do think that that's part of the the criteria now for you to get in is that longevity. And nothing against that. Eventually, in the next four or five years. That's just the way the Hall of Fame is going to be. It's going to be watered down, and I'll probably have a different opinion at that time because the definition of Hall of Famer is going to change. Well, I don't I, think that's because of Frank Gore. Uh, let, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the Hall of Fame belongs for players that are elite? Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. It should be players that are elite that get in. I agree with that. And you're telling me you think that Frank Gore is an elite player? No, no, I don't think it's exclusively for elite players. It's it's no, okay, but okay, okay, okay. That's a, that's a question. That's a question. Then you don't think it's exclusively for, uh, exclusively for elite players? I do. I think no, it's exclusively I, I don't, I don't. for elite players. Okay, so with that I being think, said, well, no, okay, but, that's what I said, let me, let me but I do my think, answer. Let me clarify my answer. Let me do that, and then because I, I want you to make a point, I want to clarify my answer. I believe the general okay. rule is to get into the Hall of Fame, you have to be elite. Right, that's a general rule. But there can be an exception to the rule where if you play for so long, right, particularly in a certain position and rack up numbers like Frank numbers, Frank numbers that Frank Gore did, you could be the exception to get in. Because I agree with you. I wouldn't say that he was an elite running back, but looking at his numbers, I mean, he did it for that long. He gets in. He just does. Nah, okay. I mean, I I disagree, but and but uh, your point is a very good point. Uh, if, if you want to make an exception to it, then that's the exception. But it just adds more exceptions, right? It, it, it adds exceptions for people like Eli Manning. Then you have an exception for another player. <laughs> you need to and leave Eli alone, exceptions bro. After exceptions. Leave Eli I'm just saying. I'm just saying, saying. I'm just saying, bro. It just it just adds more exceptions for more players. Look, bro. Longevity in the league. That's all good and dandy, right? But he was never an elite player any time during the course of his career. He was never a top five running back any time during the course of his career. So I, I can't put him there. I just can't. But as time goes on and the definition continues to change in my eyes, then we will figure out what a Hall of Famer really is. Yeah. One place I do agree with you. The Hall of Fame does have a mm-hmm. problem with quarterbacks. I've said this numerous times on our YouTube page. 
It does have a problem with quarterbacks because these quarterbacks are playing longer and longer and longer and longer. So they're going to be breaking more and more and more records. So, I mean, is Matt Ryan going to the Hall of Fame? You know what I mean? Like, because he's played so long. He's one of the, as far as statistically, he's one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played. Does he get in? So I agree with you. As far as the quarterbacks are concerned, we will get um, a watered down Hall of Fame unless they really, really change the criteria because it's a different game. Yeah, but it's, it's the same thing for wide receivers too, though, I think. I think wide receivers are playing longer and longer and that That's they are point. racking up yards also it's as well. It's a great point. It's and a they're, great they're, they're not Absolutely. as good as, as some of the other. Yeah, so. I agree with that. 100% but agree. Anyway. All right. All right. So <laughs> the last question for buy or sell. We're still on buy or sell. Uh, speaking to Arizona Sports 98.7 FM this past week, Bruce Arians was asked about the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, Brian Leftwich and has some interesting things to say, right? He said that I get credit and Tom Brady gets way too much credit for what Brian does on our offense. Are you buying or selling that Tom Brady gets too much credit for what is done over there in Tampa Bay? Well, since we're talking about credit, right? Because you don't want to give all the blame to LeBron, you know, so I'm interested to see your answer here. Um, but I think he probably gets the credit that he deserves. Um and I think he can, he can get his shine, but at the same time acknowledging that Byron Leftwich has done a great job. And I will tell you this, the way I will know how the NFL world sees it is, we've never heard anyone say when it was time to hire the Bill O'Briens of the world that, well, he did great with Tom Brady, right? Never heard that with Josh McDaniels where they say, oh, well, he did great with Tom Brady. So Byron Leftwich should have a job in the NFL very soon because I didn't hear any of the BS when his white counterparts at the offensive coordinator position were trying to get jobs. If I hear him buying Relford, left, which is uh, when he is going for jobs and interviews, they say, well, we don't know how good he is because he did it with Tom Brady. Eh, that'll tell you that there's something smelly there, right? It smells like, I mean, it's stank, right? It's stank. But as far as Tom Brady getting the credit, I'm here for it. He's done great his entire career. He's made a lot of people on the offensive side look good. Um, I just haven't seen anyone get penalized for that. So it would piss me off if Byron Leftwich gets penalized for that. No, I agree with you. 100%. I don't think Brian Leftwich should get penalized for that. He did it with Tom Brady and he ran that offense. But to say that Tom Brady gets way too much credit for what they did, that's craziness to me. Because without Tom Brady, that organization will still be in the gutter right now. Tom Brady came in there and unlike LeBron James, he picked the right players to come there and play with him so that he could succeed. And not only did well he pick played. the right players, well he got those players. He got those players and led them to a championship. All right. So, no, I'm not going to say that he got too much credit. He got all the credit he deserves. Tom Brady is a goal. Look what happened with Bill Belichick once Tom Brady left. Bill Belichick has not been back to the Super Bowl. All right. Any other office coordinator would kill to have Tom Brady as their quarterback. We already know what Tom Brady brings to the table. He is an offensive coordinator in his own right. So, yes, he deserves as much of the credit as he gets, not only because of what he did on the field, but because he assembled an offense that helped him produce. So, yes, he deserves you know all I that liken, credit. You know what I like in that Bruce Aaron's comment, too? I liken it to a guy pulling a really, really fine female. And you bring her back to your boys. And you think, like, all right, dope, dope, dope. And I'm like, how'd you get that? And everybody's like, you? 
you pulled that? All of a sudden, you get a little mad. Like, I got game too, bro. I can do this. And that's how I felt about Bruce Arians. You win a championship. It's with Tom Brady. Everybody's like, well, obviously, it's a pretty girl. She did it. She did everything. It's like, no, I did something as part of this too. So I think a little bit of that was uh, shade. No, I can agree with that too. I do think a little part of it was shade as well. But it might have also been him trying to back up Byron Leftwich, right? Like you said, maybe Man, he's trying to I make sure everybody knows that, you know, else, bro. I think it's more shit, though. <laughs> Keep it a buck. Let, let me go ahead and give shit. Byron Leftwich some credit, man. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Whew, what a show. What a show. If this is your first time checking out our podcast, please do us a favor and subscribe. You can do it on any major podcast platform available. You can also go to our website, newchannelsports.net, and subscribe there as well. That's new channel spelled NU channel sports.net. Check us out on Afro Vibes TV as well. Download the Roku app and then go to Afro Vibes TV so you can see the new channel sports show. Give us a follow on Instagram. Give us a follow on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're also on the Leeds Podcast Network. Check us out there. This has been ONU, the one and only. Joined by the phenomenal one, Chris. Until next time, we are out. Thanks for listening to the new channel sports podcast. If you like the show, feel free to leave a comment and a five-star rating. Your support is very much appreciated. Also, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or on our website, newchannelsports.net. That's new channel spelt in you, channelsports.net. Got a sports-related question for the crew? Just leave a voicemail on our website. Till next time, have a good one and stay safe out there.